0: Jim Hughes with AFIO Now. We are a program of recorded presentations with former U.S. intelligence officers and the academics and scholars who write and teach about them. Today we have a very interesting program. To help me co-host today's program I want to introduce someone very special. She is the newest member of the AFIO staff and she's actually been working very very hard behind the scenes ever since we began the AFIO Now program. But today I'm going to be able to pull her on camera uh, so that you can um, see and hear from her. Her name is Renee Fries. She is a former CIA officer. She comes from a family of um, CIA CIA officers who have been serving the nation for many, many years. And she's been uh, instrumental in helping us design and implement the AFIO Now program as well as our forays into social media with our Twitter and uh, LinkedIn accounts, and most recently a uh, podcast um, series as well. Uh, Please welcome Renee Preece.
1: Thank you, Jim. Um, So today's episode is going to be a little bit different from our previous episodes in that we are really going to be focusing on our student viewers, and we're going to be giving them some advice and insight on how to look at a career in intelligence. So joining me today, we have Dr. Eddie Meaney. He is the Executive Director and Associate Professor of Strategic and Security Studies at the University of North Georgia. Eddie, thank you for being with us and for providing some insight and advice to our student viewers who are considering a career in intelligence. So to start off, if you could tell us a bit about your background and how you ended up at the University of North Georgia.
2: Sure, thank you very much for the invitation, Renee and Jim. So um, I was born in uh, Cape Town, South Africa, where I spent my first 28 years. Uh, During that time, um, you may recall, South Africa was involved in the Angolan War. Uh, We had conscription uh, going on, military conscription Um, So I was deployed four times uh, in the Angolan War. And um, after that, um, I read law at university. And then um, I joined our um, State Department, our Department of Foreign Affairs, where my first posting was to Washington, D.C. And uh, my responsibility there was um, liaising with uh, the U.S. Congress, the State Department, a number of NGOs, uh, the Organization of American States, uh, IMF and the World Bank. Uh, thereafter, I was appointed as uh, chief of staff to our secretary of state. Uh, that was Minister Puckboerter, uh, from ninety two to ninety four. And thereafter, I was appointed deputy ambassador for South Africa to Switzerland, representing the new South African government under the leadership of President Mandela. So that was from ninety four to ninety eight. Uh, thereafter, I found my way uh, to the United States. I retooled myself as an SAP functional consultant. Uh, this is the German software uh, enterprise resource planning software. and um, within that industry I uh, kind of gravitated towards my core skill uh, skill set, uh, which is public relations uh, media liaison, um, and uh, decided to once again uh, complete my um, academic um, training. Um, I concluded a, a PhD in international conflict management at Kennesaw State University which is just north of Atlanta. Uh, Upon completion um, I applied for a position at the University of North Georgia. Um, Initially I was the Associate Vice President for um, Economic Development and Community Engagement and uh, then we introduced at the university a brand new interdisciplinary degree program uh, called Strategic and Security Studies and so I was invited to apply for the executive director uh, position to lead this new interdisciplinary degree program. I believe my background dovetailed very nicely with the mission and objectives of this interdisciplinary degree program, uh, strategic and security studies, because of my uh, exposure to um, you know, being in, in, in a combat zone, Having studied law and uh, completed my studies in international conflict management, being a former diplomat, um, I think all of that dovetail very nicely. It lends itself to the interdisciplinary nature of the program. So why the stress on the interdisciplinary nature is because we as a nation face uh, multidisciplinary, multifaceted threats to our national security interests. And we are interested in um, graduating students who can think out of the box across Mm -hmm. disciplines. And um, in addition to their uh, formal studies, they also have to complete a uh, study abroad slash international internship um, uh, so that they can be exposed to foreign cultures, uh, foreign language, um, and come back to graduate with their diploma, uh, a more well-rounded individual. So um, within the degree program, um, we have six concentrations, Uh, cybersecurity uh, is one, Uh, international affairs, history, um, strategic languages as determined by the Department of Defense, uh, military science, and then the sixth one is intelligence. So I teach uh, within this program as well, in addition to um, directing the program, and um, I teach um, Introduction to Intelligence, Fundamentals of Intel Analysis, uh, the United States Intelligence Community, uh, Cycle and Collection, uh, Intelligence and Counterterrorism, Intelligence Support to Homeland Security, and then Special Topics. In addition to the intelligence courses, I also teach politics of Africa and uh, comparative military systems. I will be developing uh, yet another new program, uh, or at least course, uh, on state fragility this summer. So that will be a new course to be offered in spring of next year. we attract cadets we are as you may know a senior military college we are the senior military college of the state of georgia and one of only six in the nation so we have army and army corps of cadets um, numbering just under 800 out of a student population of 20,000. Um, we punch way above our weight division um, i liaise very closely with my uh, colleague, Dr. Bryson Payne, who is the director of our Center for Academic Excellence in Cyber Education. So there's a strong nexus between intelligence and cyber, cyber intelligence. And uh, we are an official partner of NSA as well. Um, so we are very fortunate to be able to place um, handpicked students uh, to do their internship uh, with NSA down in Augusta in our backyard. And of course, we have other three-letter agencies that uh, are interested in our students as well. Um, uh, You can imagine uh, a student here at University of North Georgia being in uniform, uh, speaking a second language, having a top secret clearance, um, and an interest in our world uh, would be, uh, and especially uh, having a, a a cyber security orientation. Uh, That person, that student can write their own check. Uh, There's such a huge demand uh, for um, cybersecurity warriors, as we put it. So uh, that's where I am. I've been leading it now um, since uh, 2016. And uh, the program has grown exponentially. We started off with seven students initially, and today we are just under 130 students in in the degree program. So it's
1: growing. That is very impressive. You have a very robust program there with a variety of courses. And you touched on this um, a little bit earlier, but I'd like you to expand a bit on how, how you think Intel is shaping our world today. You know, intelligence and the intelligence community are often in the news, whether they be for our successes or our failures but there's a lot of discussion over intelligence and the intelligence infrastructure in the United States today. Can you expand on that a little bit?
2: Sure, thank you, Renee. Um, In my opinion, I I submit that uh, the United States has the most complex, most robust, effective intelligence community in the world. Um, Successes never really make headlines and there's a good reason for that. Uh, We do not want to disclose our sources and methods uh, to our enemies um, by way of reverse engineering, they may discover things we don't want them to discover. Um, obviously, failures make it, but we learn from failures, right? That's the whole intent. Um, so, the intelligence community plays a vital role in protecting our national security interests. Uh, we want to preempt those events that may threaten threaten our national security interests. So this is a term that's thrown around a lot uh, in the media and elsewhere. And maybe we can just dwell a little bit on this concept of of what comprises a national security threat. So this is anything that threatens the physical well-being of our population or jeopardizes our nation's stability of our uh, national economy or our institutions, That is considered a national security threat, and these threats can be broken down into groups. For instance, hostile governments, uh, foreign governments with hostile intentions towards the United States. These threats may include direct acts of war and aggression, but it can also be much subtler uh, and harder to detect. So examples include espionage and election interference. Another area would be terrorism. So countries also face threats from groups who don't formally represent a foreign government but may be sponsored or tolerated by a foreign government, a foreign power. So terrorist groups may seek to cause chaos and disruption through physical violence or in some cases cybercrime. Proliferation is another area. Um, The idea of proliferation, specifically with regard to advanced weaponry, may also be taken into account. So if a hostile state is known to be stockpiling, for instance, chemical weapons, or developing nuclear capabilities, or otherwise escalating its capacity for destruction, it qualifies as a national security threat, even without using those weapons in a direct attack. Another area, for instance, would be cybercrime. Online criminals pose a danger to national security, including those not associated with hostile governments, or terrorist groups. So cyber criminals may hack our economic institutions, government websites, uh, or power infrastructures as a way of stealing or extorting money. They may also commit cyber crimes uh, to advance an ideological agenda. Of course, natural disasters and diseases, we're just going through the COVID pandemic. So not all threats to national security involve a malignant influence Uh, of bad actors. Hurricanes, earthquakes, other natural disasters can pose serious damage to our nation's people and to our nation's physical infrastructure. So pandemics like the COVID-19 weaken our healthcare systems and also weaken our economy. So um, those are just very high level areas uh, that we um, take into consideration uh, that factor into potentially threatening our national security interests. Um, I've highlighted those uh, for our younger audience uh, to start thinking. Uh, they may be interested in doing a, uh, a medical, their medical studies, becoming a medical doctor. But um, there's an opportunity for them to join the uh, intelligence community as a medical doctor, or as a researcher, as an economist, you know, uh, as a cyber geek. Um so um, those uh, I just wanted to highlight uh, because we tend to throw around this concept, national security. And I just wanted to drill down a little bit on that concept.
1: Right. I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think a lot of younger people think that the intelligence community is, you know, this cloak and dagger community where the only people who run it are running around doing dead drops. In the middle of the night and they have this image that has been blasted to them through tv and movies and the fact is there is a whole intelligence community out there made up of individuals with varying expertise with different degrees Um, it's not just comprised of cia officers or military intelligence officers like you said there's a lot of interest and a lot of need for people with unique experiences and unique expertise, such as medical and cyber hackers. Um, what, are, what are a couple of other skill sets or career paths do you see as being necessary for our intelligence infrastructure to be more robust?
2: Yes. So as I mentioned earlier, we face multi-dimensional threats. Um, you know uh, we're all familiar with 9-11 um, and the um, alleged failure of our intelligence community to um, help prevent that from taking place and um, we uh, as a result uh, of 9-11 have learned uh, a ton uh, of um, new ways uh, how we can um, mitigate that from happening again in the future and um, uh, so prior to 9-11, uh, within our intelligence community, the different agencies now numbering, uh, depending on which uh, uh, which definitions we would like to, to use, but now comprising 18 organizations that make up the United States intelligence community, with the latest one being Space Force. Um Prior to 9-11, these agencies were working in silos as it were um, and uh, exchanging information and intelligence with each other on a need to know basis. Uh, since 9-11, uh, in hindsight, we've shifted from a need to know to a need to share, and even that's, that's morphed into a, an obligation to share intelligence amongst the different agencies. And of course, straddling across the United States intelligence community is this new office, relatively new, called the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, which, was, which came into force in 2005. Um, as a result of the 9-11 Commission report and suggestions made in that report how to um, reimagine, if I can put it that way, the United States intelligence community. So, as I mentioned, 18 organizations, two independent agencies being the CIA and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and nine DOD elements within that uh, intelligence community. Here we have the... Um, Uh, Defense Intelligence Agency, we have NSA, we have the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, we have the National Reconnaissance Organization, which was established in 1962 and uh, was declassified in 1992. Uh, The man in the street didn't even know of the existence of the NRO. And the NRO, the National Reconnaissance Office, designs, builds, launches, and operates reconnaissance satellites and provides satellite intelligence to NSA uh provides image intelligence to NGA, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and then MassINT, Measurement and Signature Intelligence, to the Defense Intelligence Agency. In addition to uh, those agencies, we have five services. We have the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, and now Space Force, also having their own intelligence capability. In addition to that, we have seven elements, other departments and agencies that make up the U.S. intelligence community. We have the uh, Department of Energy. Uh, They have an Office of Intelligence and Counterintelligence. Of course, the focus there is nuclear. We have nuclear reactors and we need to take care of our uh, nuclear facilities. Uh, We have the Department of Homeland Security, which um, Although it was announced uh, as a new department prior to 9/11, it really only came into being after 9/11. Uh, it's a huge organization, a huge agency, uh, comprising of around about a quarter of a million employees. But they have an Office of Intel and Analysis, and uh, within the Department of Homeland Security, and they have um, um, there's a Coast Guard intelligence that falls under the Homeland Security as well. So Customs and Border Control and ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Then we have the Department of Justice. So those lawyers out there, those students who want to be interested in, in doing law, and um, the FBI, um, they have an intelligence division now. Um, uh, they've always had one uh, focused more on crime intelligence, but since 9-11, uh, that capability has grown enormously within the FBI. We also have the Drug Enforcement Agency, Office of National Security. Um, Then we have the Department of State. They have the Bureau of Intelligence and Research. So those who want to become diplomats and are interested in doing international affairs uh, know that you can uh, gravitate towards uh, that bureau if you're interested in going the intelligence route. And then Treasury, of course, follow the money, Um, the Office of Intelligence and Analysis, Uh, we, um, are very focused on how money, uh, exchanges hands, um, especially when it comes to bad actors who mean ill to our nation, to our people. Um, so those that I mentioned now make up the, um, the U S intelligence community. And, and, um, uh, we are of course, interested in preparing young minds Um, exposing them to these different uh, routes that can be followed um, if uh, intelligence piques their interest. Um, So many, many um, opportunities and and different pathways uh, to fulfill any desire to to follow an intelligence career.
1: Thank you for, for sharing that list. I think a lot of people don't realize just how many organizations and institutions out there focus on intelligence, and there are so many different interests that can be pursued in a number of different organizations. Um, I want to go now to your work on developing this unique program that you have for high school students in Georgia who are interested in pursuing a career in intelligence. Can you just speak about your this program that you're developing right now?
2: Sure. So I was um, approached by the Georgia Department of Education. Um, There's a gentleman there. um, He's an an associate superintendent. And um, he, uh, knowing that, uh, you know, we teach intelligence here at the University of North Georgia, approached me and asked me if I would be interested in co-developing a syllabus uh, to be introduced to Georgia high schools, specifically to juniors and seniors. Uh, as an elective course. And uh, we've worked on that um, um, over a period of more than a year. It's now complete. And um, the title of this course is Introduction to US Intelligence and National Security Studies. Um, And I'd like to go over the main areas that we cover within this course. I think this would be of interest to our younger viewers. Uh, and to the teachers who um, ultimately will be teaching this course at their high school. Again, this is an elective, um, and so this is an introduction to U.S. intelligence and national security studies that provides a basic and broad overview of the career field of intelligence, the authorized activities of an intel professional, the composition of the United States government intelligence community, the various functions of each of the member agencies, the limits and capabilities of intelligence and how intelligence plays a role in the decision-making process of the government. The course is also designed to apply critical analysis to the field of intelligence. We have seven themes that we cover. The first theme is where we examine the development of the field of US intelligence. So here we explore the history of US intel efforts From the American Revolution through to to the Civil War. We explain the application of U.S. intelligence from World War I to World War II. Uh, We explain how the late and post-Cold War era shaped the U.S. intelligence agencies. We analyze the current challenges to the U.S. intelligence community, for example, social media and information warfare. So that would be our first theme. The second theme describes the basic roles and functions of the intelligence field. Here we define intelligence as the process of collection and analysis of information gathered within or outside the United States that involves threats to our nation, its people, property, or interests. Uh, We also explain the purpose and uses of the intelligence or of intelligence for the United States government. We describe various career paths for a person entering the intelligence field, for example, analytical, operational, technical, uh, we explain security, the security clearance process, uh, including barriers to acquiring various types of security clearances. And we also describe levels of vulnerability of intelligence security. So that covers our second theme. The third theme, there we explore the different types of intelligence, collection methods and information sharing. So we identify the six basic intelligence sources and methods of collection and explain the uses. For instance, signals intelligence, also known as communications intelligence, imagery intelligence, measurement and signature intelligence, Uh, human source intelligence, open source intelligence, geospatial intelligence. Then we describe other sources and types of intelligence, such as medical intelligence, um, cyber intelligence, environmental intelligence, economic and competitive intelligence. Law enforcement intelligence, cultural intelligence, strategic intelligence, and financial intelligence. Well, then we compare and contrast the strengths and weaknesses inherent in the various sources and types of intelligence. We also explore current trends in different types of intelligence that challenge collection methods. We explain our recent events, affect how information is shared with partner nations. And that covers our third. Theme. The fourth theme, we analyze the intelligence cycle. So here we describe the stages of the intelligence cycle, planning, collection, processing, analysis, dissemination, and feedback, the different steps within the cycle process. We distinguish between raw and finished intelligence, and we explain how to be successful at each state of, stage of the intelligence cycle, describing the strengths and weaknesses of the current model. Our fifth theme, out of the seven, is uh, an evaluation uh, of the role of an intelligence analyst. So here we describe the role of an analyst in assessing the value of information. We explain how analysts use structured analytic techniques, such as analysis of competing hypotheses, key assumptions check. We describe the authorised activities, military, civilian, international, international. domestic Uh, of each of the federal agencies comprising the intelligence community. And then we explain the purposes and processes for sharing information between the United States intelligence agencies. And then we describe the role of fusion centers in coordinating federal and state information sharing. Our penultimate theme is um, to analyze the ethical, moral, and legal considerations of intelligence. Um, We describe how ethical standards and moral dilemmas challenge intel analysts as they relate to secrecy, as they relate to war and peace, ends versus means, the nature of the opponent, and national interest. We explain how changes over time in societal ethics and morality, both domestic and foreign, affect intelligence officers We also explain how intelligence professionals relate ethical and moral issues to collection and covert action. And we describe the legal constraints and challenges to the collection of intel domestically and abroad. And then our final theme that we cover in this course is to compare and contrast the roles and missions of the US federal agencies comprising the intelligence community, the US intelligence community. So we identify all the US federal agencies which make up the US intelligence community, including their functions and area of focus. We describe the role of the Director of National Intelligence in coordinating information, sharing between agencies. And then finally, we explain the role of Congress as an oversight body to the US intelligence community. So that, uh, in a nutshell, is uh, what our new course which has now been completed it's been um, approved by the Georgia Department of Education to um, be introduced to high schools in the state of Georgia beginning in the fall and uh, we've already um, I've I've, uh, I'm I'm aware of three um, high schools that are very interested that have already approached me for material in addition to the material that's out there on the Georgia Department of Education's website for more supplementary material um, for uh, the students uh, that are interested in taking this as an elective course. And again, focused on juniors and seniors at high school.
1: That sounds like an amazing course. I wish I had something like that, that I could have taken as an elective when I was in high school, and I really hope that that program expands and in other communities and other school systems beyond Georgia. I think it. I think it would be very effective. So for those students who don't live in Georgia, or you know have any um, opportunity to to take an elective like that. Um, What would you suggest that high school students start thinking about, start doing in order to prepare for maybe entering a college program that has an intelligence studies program? What can they be doing, thinking about to prepare?
2: Yes, um, a very important question, uh, Renee. Um, So. Certainly one area, uh, whether they are interested or not, or thinking of becoming interested in following an intelligence career path, um, behavior, personal behavior and fiscal discipline uh, uh, and social media behavior, especially. Uh, this needs to uh, receive a lot of attention from these juniors and seniors at high school that think they would like to pursue a career in intelligence. Um, Of course, background checks need to be uh, done for anyone that applies to join the intelligence community. Um, Security classifications are are issued uh, based on um, the weight of the applicant. Uh, And of course, going into the background and behavior and connections and friends that they uh, uh, have made and And uh, just their general behavior is of paramount importance to those that uh, within the intelligence community that do the background checks. Um, We have too many incidences in our recent past. Uh, Two names that come to mind immediately is Robert Hansen and Aldrich Ames. Hansen being a former FBI agent, and of course Aldrich Ames, CIA. um, And uh, both of these gentlemen Uh, became double agents and spied for the Russians against us, and we didn't know about that for many years. Uh, in the case of Robert Hansen, he spied for the Russians for 22 years uh, from 1985 to 2001, committing espionage against us. Uh, We don't want this to happen again. And so thorough background checks are done. Profile analysis are made of these applicants uh, uh, that are applying to join the intelligence community. In the case of Aldrich Ames, uh, being a former CIA um, officer, he spied for 11 years. From 1985 to 1994, so I guess that's nine years, also committing espionage against our nation. Uh, Again, uh, both these gentlemen uh, had behavior traits that could have been picked up. Hindsight's always 2020. 20, that could have been picked up earlier to mitigate the damage that they caused to our nation. So, getting back to these young um, high school students, uh, juniors and seniors, you need to watch how you spend your money. Uh, don't become spendthrifts. Uh, watch your personal behaviour. Uh, I would strongly encourage not to dabble in alcohol and drug use. Uh, illegal drug use is an absolute no-no. Uh, watch what you post on social media. So be responsible in how you behave. Uh, And know and put that uh, thinking cap on, that intelligence thinking cap. If you're interested in joining uh, the intelligence community, uh, then start behaving like an intelligence um, agent. Um, So uh, those are three areas that immediately come to mind, um, Renee, that uh, high school students should start thinking about. Uh, as they contemplate a career in the intelligence community.
1: I think you make a very good point about social media. When we were all going through this process and applying and we were sitting in that polygraph chair or talking to those background investigators, social media wasn't a thing. We didn't have to worry about what we posted out in the world five, 10 years ago. But these kids need to start thinking about, oh, maybe I shouldn't post that if you know somebody's gonna be asking me about that later. It's a completely different world now where you put a picture out there and it's out there for the world to see. And I think it's never too early to start thinking about what you may have to answer for a little bit later to those background investigators who may be coming around and knocking at your door. Um, So one last question I'd like to ask you uh, before we wrap up here. So for kids thinking about college kids and graduate students looking at programs that are out there, um, what advice do you have for them in choosing the right university?
2: Right. So, Renee, that's a very personal choice. Um, Obviously, I'm partial. Um, Our degree program here at the University of North Georgia, um, I would like to see um, Georgia high school students strongly consider the University of North Georgia. Uh, And in particular, the Strategic and Security Studies degree program. But of course, uh, we have a number of universities uh, sprinkled throughout the United States. There's Georgetown, uh, there's the Coastal University. We have universities in Texas um, that also offer uh, intelligence studies. Uh, We are going to uh, most definitely develop a master's degree program, most likely in intelligence studies here at the University of North Georgia. A strong push for that. Um, so um, to my knowledge the universities that offer intelligence education are all top-notch um, and it's a matter of personal choice of course um, expense uh, and one's got to look at the financing as well and so I um, I promote all the universities that offer intelligence education but of course especially the University of North Georgia in my case Um, We, uh, you know, we are very fortunate, being a senior military college, um, to have an advisory board consisting of retired military generals. Um, And uh, we have produced over 50 uh, generals from the University of North Georgia since 1873 when it was founded. Um, So, as I said earlier today, um, we, we punch way above our weight division And uh, we are most definitely on the radar of three-letter agencies as uh, being known for producing top-quality graduates from our university.
1: Great. Well, with that, I want to thank you for joining us today and offering some advice and insight to our younger viewers and giving some guidance to our next generation of intelligence officers. Jim, I'll toss it back to you. Well, this has
0: been a fascinating and very informative program. Before I close, I would like to list for our viewers a couple of other areas of resource that AFIO provides that might be particularly of interest to an academic uh, audience. First of all, we produce a booklet that we call Intelligence as a Career that's available both hard copy and soft copy. It's kind of a primer on the US intelligence community. Also, we have a very um, Large and instructive um, almost encyclopedia called A Guide to the Study of Intelligence, which is about 80 articles written by um, 50 odd former intelligence officers on a whole variety of uh, topics. That's also available soft copy. This program of recordings that we call AFIO Now has been in existence since the fall, and many of these interviews have now been posted on the public side of YouTube. And more recently, we have begun creating podcasts from these video programs as well, which are available on about a half a dozen podcast platforms. And finally, AFIO has created accounts with both LinkedIn and Twitter for different audiences to follow us and to follow the US Intelligence community. So I would like to thank Dr. Eddie Meany and Renee Preece for a great program. I'm sure our audiences will really enjoy it, especially the younger ones.